Hi, I'm KS Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerdberg Podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with author and contributor to the newly released Speculative Fiction for Dreamers Aladdin X anthology, Stephanie Nina Pissarillos. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me on, Kayla. Well, thank you for joining me. Uh, you were highly recommended by a mutual acquaintance of ours, uh, William Gosline, who I previously interviewed as well. So thanks for that, Bill. Uh, mm-hmm. Outside my introduction, who is Stephanie Pissarillos and what are you about? Oh, what a question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a New York City girl, uh, born and raised in Manhattan. Um, and um, I like to say I'm a, a the public health book advocate uh, on my professional background um, is I have a master's in public health and that's what I spent most of my um, career doing is public health work. Um, I'm also a volunteer librarian in a New York City public public elementary school. So I got that hat too. Um, and I'm also uh, an author. Um, I write prose um, and comic books uh, and all that fun stuff. And yeah, that, that's me in a nutshell. And I'm also a mom to Amazons, I like to say, three little girls, because that's also a very important part of my identity. Um, what is Speculative Fiction for Dreamers about? Can you talk about your contribution to the anthology? Sure, sure. So the anthology is actually um, the first of its kind. Um, it's a young adult, but also adult, but marketed as young adult, a speculative fiction by Latinx creators um, to encompass all, all genders. And so my contribution um, is the story Jean. Um, it's on page 85. And Jean, um, Jean's a really fun story. Um, it's actually a character from one of my novels, Nova, uh, the character's name is Nova Odyssey. And it looks at um, a New Yorkian preteen, or excuse me, a New Yorkian teen um, trying to navigate life um, uh, here in the Upper West Side um, by using uh, comic books uh, as her star map. And it's just a really fun wild ride um, um, as she's trying to navigate life and also make, uh, have some type of understanding of uh, her mother's death, her mother's death. Um, So content warning, um, um, it does feature drug use, racism and loss. Um, so it's a fun story. It's a wild story. It's uh, a love for comic books, which have been always part of my childhood. Um, but it, it definitely also tackles a lot of life issues, um, which you'll see in a lot of my work. And okay. Um, well, how important, I also see it right there in the background as well. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Marketing. I forget I have that. Um, well, how important was it for you to offer your input to this Latinx anthology as a writer outside of being a consumer? You know, particularly in, I mean, you could say this in any part of writing and so much of the world, particularly in prose writing and literary fiction, um, there's a lot of gatekeeping, um, there are extra barriers and hurdles that marginalized communities um, and women um, have to go through, whether it's how their work is edited, how their work is received, Um, you know, as an example, a a lot of what I write, um, and particularly in Jean, is real life stuff, Uh, you know, it's fiction, but it's coming from identity and culture. And, you know, in my family, my my grandmother did did misas, she did seances, she she sees dead people, that's normal to her. Mm -hmm. But, you know, my my character didn't see them, right? But because it has that element, you know, it's quick to jump to say, oh, well, that's a supernatural story, right? You You know, whether it was agents I was querying or editors, Um, when it's like, no, that's just part of regular life, right? So 
when you have uh, an anthology that puts the focus and has editors that are actually from that culture or immersed in that culture, um, it creates a safe, a safe space. Um, so it makes it all the more meaningful if your story lands there. And, you know, particularly for me, um, my story is a great example of, I had originally pitched a, a story for their adult anthology years before, and it didn't work out. And Matt, the editor, um, offered such wonderful feedback and was so welcoming. And I was not used to that in my experience in querying novels um, that I realized like, you know what, I'm gonna make a story that works. Like this editor has inspired me. And, you know, Jean was the story I pitched to them when, when they decided to come out with this new anthology. And um, I had that story ready and they actually asked me, hey, do you have something for us this time? And I totally lost track of what your your, your question your quest, original question was. I could go on and on, um, but well, what I asked was how important was it for you to offer your input for an anthology for this right. one specifically outside of being a consumer? So why is yeah. it that you thought it was important that you offer like you write um, a short story or a poem or whatever it may be for this anthology instead of waiting for it to happen, waiting yeah. as a consumer to read it right. yourself? Well, you know, we need to tell our own stories, you know, our own voices. Um, you know, I always go back to me, to my to my mom when she was uh, in junior high school and um, it was time to go to the guidance counselor and say what you want to be in life. And um, she came with all her short stories. And I didn't know the story until um, after I told my mother that I started writing and I had a you know book and all that sort of stuff. And the guidance counselor, um, She's like, well, I want to be a writer. And the writer said, the guidance counselor said to my mother, writer, you're Puerto Rican. My mom's Puerto Rican. There are, there are no Puerto Rican writers. So she didn't become a writer. And so, you know, when you see there's not that much out there um, for, uh, for your community, um, you want to make sure that you're, you're part of that change. If writing is your thing, um, and, you know, I wanted to make sure my, my, my family's voices uh, were heard since writing is my thing. And um, yeah, I just wanted to be part of that and to be part of a wonderful group. It's a wonderful anthology with so many talented writers, just some crazy stories. Um, it's, it was just a real honor for me um, to try to put my own imprint and my, my own family's history in fictionalized form there. Okay, uh, well, Speculative Fiction for Dreamers isn't your first anthology. You've contributed to, you've also written for the COVID Chronicles, Heroes Need Masks, uh, Mermaids Monthly, and Inside Art. But I'm curious as to why. Like, do you prefer the collaborative effort of an anthology, or is it, oh, this would be quicker for me to put out more work instead of a timely novel? Yes, this is this is some good questions you have. <laughs> um, so so much of publishing is like when you see the end, it's like you can't you got to ask the writer questions like this because um, I actually started out writing novels and I have um, a novel that's actually current on sub. Those things can basically those things take years for me. So we're talking about prose writing. Um, mm -hmm. They're definitely longer to do, um, and the publication road could be immediate. Well, what's really a media publication, um, but you know, it could you could get immediately picked up, or it could be a very long time. And for me, I'm in that second category where it's you know, you know, my first book uh, 
that I pitched to agents just what wasn't the right one. So I started with a second one. Um, I what what I like to challenge myself, and that's what Jean is, is how can I condense my novel into a short story form? That's my favorite type of writing a short a short story, and that's what Jean is. It's it's taking my novel, making it stand alone um, uh, into into short prose. So, you know, what I told myself after a certain point um, is that. Well, I got to be so a lot of the anthologies that you mentioned, those are comics, right? So I got my prose hat and my comics mm -hmm. hat. And so I told myself, you know, I had reached a point where I was like, you know, I'm not sure about this traditional publishing. And then I started getting uh, a lot of pushes from illustrators that like and my cousins, one of my illustrators, Aaron Guzman, like and even the editor, one of the editors, Alex Hernandez and Speculative Fiction for Dreamers, like you got to do comic books. I mean, that's all you write about in your prose. Um, and I said, you know what? A, I'm going to try comics because so many people are telling me to try comics. And it was a shift in, in my in mindset for me because I kind of I grew up in the Jim Lee era. You know, it was all about the illustrator. I just gave no thought that there were actually writers. So I, I kind of grew up with that, you know, that illustrator mentality that it's I could not connect the dots and understand you know the genius of Chris Claremont for example which my story is is, is, is a big ode to Chris Claremont's work um and I, I actually said I actually said to the universe I kind of want to disconnect having a capitalistic relationship with writing and I just want to take time and just do what I want and not worry about gatekeepers and yeah, man, then it was just a floodgate that opened with like, I mean, you know, I had illustrators like Seth Martell, who was very instrumental in a lot of the anthologies we've been in together that we've done. He asked me, hey, let's do this. Would you want to do that? Uh, part of a, a comic group, comic uh, comics experience. This is how, that's how I met um, Seth. And anytime we did something, it was accepted. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, this is great. I got to do comic books. This is how it normally is, Seth. He's like, no, that's not how it normally is. So I realized that, you know, maybe this is something that I should be doing. This is something that I enjoy while I also still work on the pros. Um, so, yeah, so it's been it's been a, a windy road, um, but I've been enjoying it. OK, uh, well, you mentioned you have a public health background. Uh, could you elaborate more on that in relation to your work? Oh, sure, sure. So, you know, I just happen to have a public health degree, but I'm going to tell you how it, do, it does eventually connect. So, yeah, I spent, you know, part, a part, um, an important part in growing up, um, you know, for me was seeing how my parents' background and growing up in abject poverty, I did not uh, have that experience, but they did, and it was definitely part of our lives. Um, and being a firstborn, um, even if in the back of my head, I wanted to be a writer, I also knew the importance of, of having some type of stability, whether it not be for, and I, and I wish the creative arts could be, and sometimes for some people they are. Um, but with my family background and just seeing how you also have to help out other family members, it's kind of something I put in the back of my head. And I entered public health um, because I felt like it would allow me, A, to do some good into in the world, and 
and and help solve immediate tangible problems. And I and I have evolved in my understanding of the beauty of what the arts provide because I think they do that too. But that was my mindset then, um, and also be able to you know. Uh, to have some type of um, stability. But the thing that always came up and what people joked about was you love making PDFs. You're a PDF maker. <laughs> you like making and writing and finding clip art. <laughs> and it was true. That, that was like what I loved doing the most was like, was doing that. Um, so, you know, it's been, a, it, it's been an interesting uh, journey um, in being able to, uh, move now more into motherhood and also my writing. Um, but here's how the two intersect. Um, like if you'd look at my Webtoons comic, DR163, um, yeah, it's about a cool uh, a graffiti artist that, uh, and uh, is a medical trauma surgeon, but it's also a statement on pharmaceutical price gouging and PTSD, right? Um, and you'll see this throughout all of my work. Um, health themes that are part of the lives of the characters, whether it be their professions, whether it be some of the, 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 the troubles they're in their lives. And, you know, even with Jean, um, it's, a, it's a story that is a statement um, on drug addiction and how, um, Puerto, how the Puerto Rican and Black community, particularly in, um, here in the Upper West Side, were treated in the 70s and 80s during um, the crack and heroin epidemics and how you were junkie versus the now opiate, you know, opiate addiction. Mm -hmm. um, um, and it's very much a, a statement on that, how racism is also a public health problem and issue um, on microaggressions, a critique on how outreach programs, you know, I have my, my character Nova Odyssey will make a statement that, you know, you know, you come in here and you criticize my rice and beans and she's talking to the outreach nutritionists from hospitals. These were all things that I've done in my life in public health and have struggled in working with uh, groups that were not from the communities um, and understanding how if you do not practice cultural competency um, or have any type of acknowledgement of the communities, you're doing a form of food imperialism. Um, you know, um, so you'll see these things that are part of my public health background in my writing, even my insider art um, piece that uh, uh, Little Island was very much inspired and that's graphic prose I did that with Ashley Riblet. Um, even that one um, is inspired by the fact that during COVID, a lot of multi generational living. Um, wasn't really talked about and how not everyone could socially distance. Mm -hmm. So in, in those ways, public health, my background, and I didn't even tell you exactly because public health is so broad. Is so broad. Um, you know, my professional training was in um, sexual and maternal um, uh, reproductive health. But what I wound up practicing was a few years in, in immunization and then a lot of years in um, childhood obesity and healthy lifestyles programs and, and and fun things like that. Um, so yeah, so it's always a part of my work. You'll always see see it there. Um, nothing announced yet or final, but you know where my the public health world uh, is intersected with my writing world is that I was approached to be on a board for a graphic medicine publisher for their submissions. Um, so that'll be exciting if that works out. It was a totally unexpected um, 
Um, but example of how my public health career and my writing career um, intersect. What insight would you give to up and coming artists you wish someone would have told you when you first started? You, you ask a question. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> so I'll take artists, meaning broad, uh, could be writers and illustrators. Yeah, so anyone. Writers, yeah. Okay. Um, well, first of all, write about what you love. Um, you know, I know some people do write for market. Hey, if that's your thing, that's your thing. But, um, you know, I say write from the heart, write about what you want to write. You definitely, at some point, if you do want to be published, have to have your audience in mind, but always, you know, follow your, your heart. And then figure out, and this conversation is very different if we're talking about comics or if we're talking about prose, um, but figure out if traditional publishing is the route you want to go, right? So if you're a literary fiction writer, for example, you know, maybe harder if you're not writing a, 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 a super thriller um, to to land an audience um, um, as self-publishing, self you can. Um, it just might be, it's just a whole market uh, altogether. So figure out if you want that traditional publishing route or if you're gonna do something independent, right? The literary world uh, shuns for prose, self-publishing is not as respected as much. I see this when I go to now the defunct, um, was it called BookCon, whatever, mm -hmm. we used to have BookCon. And I would be in the librarian lounge. And, you know, if I recommended a book, the librarians were like, oh, it, as long as it's not self-published, don't tell me about it. So you see that, yeah. <laughs> you see that, but in comics, um, it's the total opposite. Um, so if you're uh, uh, an artist that's thinking about comics, um, keep your mind open, you know? Um, hey, if it's your dream to write for the quote unquote big two, yeah, go for that. But, you know, there's a lot of value in creator-owned comics um, and you you can listen to panels from, um, I forgot which which con this was, but it was David Walker and Vita Yala, and they were just going back and forth on like, well, what's more meaningful, your creator-owned or your, you know, or your mainstream? And they both had different views, um, different experiences and different views on that. So just be open and try to figure out what would be my main advice, like what um, what is it you want at the end? Um, and, um, you know, are you open to doing it on your own? Are you open to doing it in teams? And there's so many great uh, resources out there to help you in your journey. But just make sure you're having fun. If it's not fun anymore, do what I did, <laughs> which is like, maybe I should try something a little different. And bam, I'm into comic books. <laughs> Uh, well, my last question for you, Stephanie, is what is your idea of success? I ask that because as creators, if we're not getting regular paychecks from a full-time job or making consistent revenue from our art, we're considered failures. Many of us will put our dreams and projects on a back burner or give them up altogether because this career path can be highly intimidating and competitive. Like would you say with your mom, like she was discouraged from being a writer because the guidance counselor assumed there were no Puerto Rican uh, writers, because it was probably because they never heard of a successful one before or what they considered successful. So what is your idea of quote unquote success? Um, so yeah, that's definitely gonna vary from person to person, right? Like you have to figure out how you're gonna eat, right? Like if, you know, cause there's some people that that's it. This is all they exist just to do this. And, you know, you got to do that if that's what you got to do. 
if you are able to, um, you know, because I hate telling people what to do. So, <laughs> but it also breaks my heart when I hear people struggling because they want their art to pay for the things in life. And I, and I want that. I want people to live off the arts. So I think that's such a personal, um, uh, you know, success is just really up to the person. I can just say for me, it doesn't make you happy. I mean, I think that's the important, the number one universal is what you're doing, making you happy. Do you feel good about yourself in the end? Is your work as it goes through industry, if you are using traditional ways and using teams, is the end product and how it's edited and illustrated and all that stuff, do, is that still your baby? Do you feel you know, connected to that? Are you proud of what's put, being put out there? I think that to me um, is, is success, right? You ask somebody else, and, and I get this, like, oh man, you're, you, know, you were an X-Men fan, don't you want to write for you know, Marvel? And like, that never even occurred to me. Like I'm getting my own stories out there um, and just having people, and here's the other thing. Yeah, having people actually read my stories um, is one level of success. I would say the second level because I, I, you know, I'm also happy just reading my, my, my own stories and that's it, and that's it, you know? And I, so I think people being open to that there's different, um, you know, there's just different ways to, to view success. And I know that, um, again, when I said to the universe, I'm going to have this disconnect, I'm not saying I'm not going to be taking the money. I am very open to that too. But I did not make my definition of success contingent upon that. Um, then I think we're doing good. Okay. Um, is there anything else that you want to promote about speculative fiction for dreamers or any of the other works that you have, the comics or short stories or a uh, novel or any, anything else you have going on? Sure, sure, sure. So hey, I'll go through the list. And, and, and I have to say a lot of them are actually for benefits. Um, so let's see if I can remember them. So for speculative fiction for dreamers, yeah, it just, it just published. Um, it is published by Ohio State University Press. You can find it in tons of uh, independent bookstores and libraries. If you go to my Twitter handle, Zoe Health, or even my website, I actually list every single bookstore and library that so far has a digital imprint of carrying it. Um, and it's just a spectacular book that has gotten rave, rave reviews, Publisher Weekly, Reader's Digest, blah, blah, blah. You got to have that book. It's an exciting book. Um, COVID Chronicles is um, a comics anthology out by Graphic Mundi, Penn State University Press. And um, it's just a wonderful collection of comics um, of uh, our lives during the COVID pandemic um, throughout the world. Uh, and I actually have two pieces in there, Small Acts and Seasons of the City with Seth Mortal and Aaron Guzman. Insider, and I don't know if I said this, but a portion of sales of, of uh, COVID Chronicles goes to the Book Industry Bank Foundation, something like that, that helps uh, bookstores out during, um, uh, booksellers uh, out during uh, financial crisis. And um, Insider Art is uh, another anthology that you can get on Gumroad. Um, and it's a wonderful collection by women and non-binary um, uh, artists. And all proceeds to that go to a, a relief fund to help 
uh, female and non-binary comic book retailers. Uh, yeah, just women in comics, check out their issue, summer issue, I'm in that. It's a wonderful uh, collective, I'm proud to be a member. Roommates Monthly uh, is also a fun uh, digital magazine. And I probably left some people out, um, <laughs> but you could go to my website, Stephanie Nina Pizzarillos, and find out more. All right. Uh, again, I want to thank author and contributor to the newly released Speculative Fiction for Dreamers, a Latinx anthology, Stephanie Nina Pizzarillos. I highly recommend our listeners to give the anthology a look, share it, and or purchase if they can. All of Stephanie's socials and website will be listed in this episode's details. Again, I'm K.S. Garner, and you've been listening to the Solo Nerdbird Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.